Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Just because I have left the 4 o'clock fight on the fast lane doesn't mean that the fight is going away. Now, it's very difficult, Michelle, (laughs) to do a 4 o'clock fight between 7 and 10 in the morning. Yes. So the fight is just going to be called The Fight. And we're going to do it at 8.30 every day. All you need to do is text in the word FIGHT to 65780. That's our uh, text line, the Air Comfort Services text line, 65780. Text the word FIGHT into to 65780 if you would like to participate in The Fight. And we'll have that every morning for you at 8.30 here on 101 ESPN. We also would like your mic drops and texts because today on ML. LB Network is Albert Pujols Day. They're showing Albert games throughout the day and night on MLB Network, and we're going to be talking about it at 845, but I know that you would like to hear people's favorite memories of Albert, and I would like to hear people's favorite memories of Albert. So you can send us a Rhino Shield mic drop with your 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text, 65780, your favorite all-time Albert memories. There are so many. Heck, we could just do a whole segment on uh, you and I favorite Albert memories. We could probably do an entire show on our yeah, favorite Albert Pujols memories. Yeah. You have 11 years of greatness to choose from here in St. Louis. But do you have one, Randy, off the top of your head? Because for me, it will always be, I mean, there's several, but just off the top of my head, I will never forget where I was or how I felt watching him hit that bomb off Bradledge. There, we always hear the term breathtaking. That home run did take my breath away. It was, <gasps> You know, it was incredible. For me, it was to, June of 2011 here, Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back games where he hit walk-off homers against the Cubs. It was great. Incredible. Yeah, he, he was an amazing hitter, an amazing player, and the best we'll see. And we want to hear your f- favorite Albert memories later in the day. It's time for our fresh take here on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman and Michelle uh, we've been talking about sports coming back, and baseball and hockey are talking about actually starting training camps in a week or two. The NFL says they're going to play. Well, we're definitely, as a society, doing great work with social distancing and quarantining, and that's why we've seen a drop-off in the number of coronavirus cases, coronavirus cases or deaths. And in my opinion, for sports to return, we need testing for the players. If we have that, then I have no problem with it. But all it's going to take is one person to come in contact with one player. That one person that's a carrier comes in contact with a player, and all of a sudden you've got three or four or five people on a team that are infected. Baseball, basketball, hockey have all said safety is our number one priority, and I know that there's a lot of money on the line, but I hope that the sports put their money where their mouth is and make sure that their players are as safe as they can possibly be, and that means no possible contact with a carrier and 
nobody that's with the group that is a coronavirus carrier before they start training camp again. I don't think it makes any sense at all with these elite athletes to subject them to the possibility of contracting the coronavirus. Completely agree. I think these leagues are faced with a very high risk, very high reward scenario because whatever they do, there's risk involved. But if something goes wrong, we've seen how how quickly this virus spreads. If someone gets sick, you you risk infecting every player and every what is at the time deemed in essential employee, whether it's a, the broadcast team or the trainers, the coaches, etc. You risk getting a lot of people sick and putting a lot of people in harm's way. But the reward side of this is that America needs something to rally behind. They need hope. We need sports. And it's going to be a major piece of the puzzle for us to return to normalcy or what our new normalcy is going to look like. And while whatever we're going to watch is going to be constructed differently than what we're used to, and it's going to have a different feel to it, I truly think it's going to be a major, major thing for our country. So I understand, obviously, there's a lot of money at stake. And, and leagues and players are concerned about the money aspect of this. But I, I just think they have to be very, very careful. And that starts and ends with testing available for everyone involved. You've mentioned the possibility of baseball coming back and thinking outside the box and doing so. I love what Bob Nightingale wrote about the possibility of having three 10-team divisions. And if we do that for this year... I actually think it would be very cool for the Cardinals to be in a division, not only with the Cubs and the Brewers, but with the White Sox and the Twins, to see some teams that we don't see. And they can come up with a creative and fun playoff format. But I would like to see those teams coming into town for a season. And if they change the rules around, so be it. Because this is something where they have a fresh slate. They have, uh, as we would call it in hockey, a clean sheet of ice to work with. And if they take advantage of this singular ability to gimmick things up a little bit. I like gimmicks. I'm a gimmick guy. I'm a shiny things guy. So if they do it, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, we talked about the, the risk involved, but on the reward side too, another log on the reward fire is that you do have a clean slate and you can try different things. And while there's always going to be some people that want to complain about something, I think most people out there are so desperate for sports that they're going to be coming into this situation with an open mind. And if something works, great. You can carry it forward into the next season. If not, you can always go back and adjust. But I think this is a, a rare opportunity for leagues to try things that before they might have been apprehensive to try because of per- perhaps fan backlash or something. Thing. The, the way that it's going to look as far as divisions and travel is obviously going to be different. But, I mean, throw some stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. Be creative. And if we have this division with the Cardinals, with the Cubs, the White Sox, the Brewers, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, and Tigers, I'm somewhat concerned about Cincinnati. I'm somewhat concerned about Minnesota. I'm somewhat concerned about the White Sox. I'm really concerned about Atlanta. And if it's only a 100-game season, I think the Cubs really benefit because of their lack of depth of starting pitching. They are the team that benefits most from a dramatically shortened regular season. I agree. Gosh, doesn't it seem like 10 years ago that we were talking about the landscape of the NL Central and if the Cubs still have it and, you know, are the Reds really a threat and all the negatives facing the Cardinals as they head into the division? Now, if it is a a shortened or truncated season and you, you have had players who've had all that time to get healthy and they're not going to be as worn out as before, it really does change the way you view teams and which teams are a threat or not. 
that. I do like being in a division, and I, uh, I think the White Sox are going to be better. I don't think this is a good year for them to be better because they still have a lot of youth that needs to develop. But I like the fact that the White Sox and Brewers and Royals, and I, I love the Indians' history, but I'm, I don't have a ton of respect for them. And, of course, the Tigers <laughs> are the worst team in baseball. Five of the teams in our division are not very good. If so, we if we play in that division. So let's feast. Yeah. And by the way, the West will be a bear. You've got the Dodgers, the A's, the Diamondbacks, who are dramatically improved, the Astros, and uh, then you've got some teams that pose somewhat of a threat, Joe Madden in Anaheim with the Angels, and the Padres are young and upcoming. I don't want to be in the West, and I certainly don't want to be in the East. Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Nationals, Phillies, uh Tampa, and then you've got four also-rans there. But let those two divisions beat up on one another and let the Cardinals take the easier route. Yeah. Or air quotes, easier route. So And, hey, we're going to be watching on TV. That's the bottom line here. We aren't going to be paying for tickets, at least early on, to go see the the game. Somebody said there could be a scenario, by the way, by – a month or two into the season, maybe they would let a thousand, two thousand fans into the game, and maybe ten thousand by the end of the season with proper social distancing guidelines. That would be intriguing. That'd be a good way to get a foul ball if you've never gotten one before. Very true. If you're in a crowd, if you're in like a Marlins at Bush Stadium, we would have a Marlins crowd. <laughs> really? I thought you said ten thousand, not less. Well, at the beginning, at least the <laughs> the the one to thousand to fifteen hundred. Absolutely. You know. I truly have hope that that's something that we'll see because that means that things are are slowly returning to normal and obviously the the trends are positive as far as fighting this virus. But I think we might see a full season, at least an early one, without any fans, mm-hmm. because, or at least this, this initial 2020 season because, yes, I know that owners are dying for that ticket revenue and for fans to spend money in that capacity, and it just it brings a different feel. I mean, players don't want to play in empty stadiums. Having the crowd there, even if it's a, an abbreviated crowd, brings a different flavor of the competition, and you have a home field advantage. But I just think if you're an owner, putting those parameters in place that you're you're basically trusting the people there that they're going to follow the guidelines right. and you're putting yourself at risk. Yeah, you are. And families obviously could sit together, but you don't know who's family and who's not. One other point here uh, about no fans. You and I sat next to each other for pretty much the entire Stanley Cup run last spring and summer. And the way the Blues game presentation was worked the crowd into a frenzy. Yep. Hockey playoffs the greatness of the hockey playoffs is that there are these goosebump-inducing moments, even in pregame, and that'll be really disappointing if we have to have a hockey playoff without fans because I think what makes the Stanley not the one thing, having a player on the other team to hate is huge too, but the crowd is such a huge part of Stanley Cup playoff hockey. But if you have a player on the other team to hate, it's certainly not the same as if you were to check him and then the crowd goes wild right? and people are taunting the goalie's name and getting inside of the goalie's head and things like that. You talk about the open to the to the Stanley Cup final, the playoffs with the Blues, whether it was Kelly Chase, the Bobby Plager, the entire video presentation that they put together, the entire pregame presentation was out of this world, and it set the tone for the game because the fans were up, they were on edge, they were screaming, and it didn't stop the entire game. And that's certainly, I mean, you talk to players in the locker room after the game and they say, the fan energy helps us. The fans brought it today and we fed off them. 
our general manager, John Kioski, just walked by and reminded me as we were talking about this subject that last week was the seven-year anniversary of my putting a $100 bounty on the head of that creakle. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> and John Kioski, and a total ripoff from the movie Slapshot, and John Kioski calls, and I still don't know. I've never even really asked him if, it, if he was reacting to Slapshot or not. And he said during a commercial break, you can't put a bounty on a man's head. And I said, I just did. And I hung up on him just like Reg Dunlop did in Slapshot. I think I was producing for you at <laughs> you that were. time, Randy. I remember yeah. that because a lot of people were texting and saying, wait, did Randy really just put a bounty on a oh, man's head? Oh, and then head? they were contributing. Yes. <laughs> the pot got bigger. <laughs> it is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's great to have you with us. And coming up as we talk some hockey, we're going to talk to the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. The one and only Chris Kerber will join us and talk about what he thinks of this pod system and whether or not we might have games here in St. Louis. That's next on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN is Chris Kerber and he gets up in in the morning to join us. How are you, sir? Oh, I get up every morning, bud. <laughs> I do now too. Yeah. yeah, well well welcome to the morning shift. You know what is amazing? You and I were talking. I I'm kind of surprised that out of all your years in radio, uh, the morning shift really hasn't been a part of it. It has eluded me. I have been a game guy for my entire life, and from the very first job I ever had when I was 15, I worked at an Onyx gas station here in Creve Corps, and I worked nights, and then I worked for Costello Service. I was an usher, and I worked nights. And then when I started working at KMOX, it was nights. I have literally always worked nights or afternoons, and I've never in my entire life had a job where I had to get up to an alarm. So this is a new experience for me for me at one point in time i uh i i used I, my very first job was at mcdonald's there right there at uh at 141 and, and clayton road mm-hmm. and uh in that lamp and lantern center so um you know i did everything from clothes and then i had about a maybe a six month window in there maybe four months i don't remember exactly how long where i opened the store and man when you go in early to make the biscuits and stuff that is that's an early wake-up call so uh so, yep, uh, I was became more of a night guy myself after that. <laughs> Curbs, what is the call time there? Because, you know, McDonald's, a lot of these fast food places open very early for the early crowd. So I'm curious what time you guys would have to get there for that. I, man, if I remember right, Michelle, I think we had to be there uh, 4, 30, 5 o'clock, somewhere in there. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm better better you than me, man. <laughs> Curbs, you say that now, don't you? <laughs> yeah. What is uh, what? What do you think of this four pod system that has been advocated by Gary Bettman, among others? And would St. Louis be a good pod location? Yeah, listen, I, I think uh, I think it, it makes some sense. I, I think there's a. Uh, uh, of with with the current scenario as we know it, or at least as we appear to know it, um, I just I, I truly just don't know what numbers, what information, what anything to believe when it comes to 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 this virus and and expectations because the leaders uh, all across the board have just been so all over the place on some things that um, that when with the information as scattered as it has been. The pod idea makes the most sense in terms of the ability to get something going. Now, it's not without its flaws. I mean, look, 
you know, you, you've got to get the Players Association to agree, at least in the current plan, potential plan, to quarantine guys. You know, and, and you could be talking for up to a couple months. I, I just I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, I, I just don't know how you're going to take, you know, unless you had something kind of like an Olympic Village area where you could really quarantine it off. I, I don't know how you really pull this off where guys, you know, for for a month at a time or, or, or if not more are going to basically go from a rink to a hotel room. And I, I that, that, that one's a, that, that's something hard for me to get my, my head to wrap around considering the number of players and people involved. So that that's one of my big question marks, but it does make sense. And I do think that St. Louis, especially with, you know, the new rink with the Centene community ice center and, and, and what it can do there and what it can hold. Uh, I, I do think it does make some sense you know, that St. Louis could be it. Now, one of the other cities, obviously, is, is Minneapolis, St. Paul. I guess we should say two cities there, but they all, you know, the Twin Cities. You know, and the interesting part about the Twin Cities is the fact that you have two rinks, you know, that you could end up playing games in there. So I don't know how that's all going to shake out. But I think, you know, I, I think uh, the the Enterprise Center, the upgrades, the technical ability now of the building, and then the Centene Community Ice Center combined make it a very attractive one for the National Hockey League. Curbs, there are a lot of obstacles, but if, in fact, something does get done and we do see the 2020 NHL season resume, I wonder about the players because they are working out at home. We see it on their Instagrams. We know that they're lifting weights and trying to stay as game ready as they possibly can. But working out at home is completely different than getting your skating in and having that physical competition in practice. So I don't know if you've talked to any players or if you've maybe heard through the grapevine, but how challenging has that been for players to try to stay in that game ready shape knowing that they could get the call at any time well they're, they're not going to be staying in game ready ready shape i mean that's that's just the bottom line they're going to stay in as good a shape as they can stay in as you mentioned but let's face it some of these guys you know most of these guys probably haven't skated now in well over a month so it, it's going to take a little bit of time here now you know again it depends on how these different communities open up or how these what these different communities allow you know, like we, we've seen with some uh, some NBA, you know, cities and things. So, you know, could guys get on the ice before anything officially happens? I, I would have to think that that's going to be a possibility. You know, but I also think it could depend on the team. I, I would think I would think uh, Vince Dunn might be able to snap back into it maybe just a little bit quicker than an Alexander Steen just because of the age and wear factor, if that makes sense. So, um, so and, then, and then you're right. Then they're going to have to get into game shape. So I think you're going to end up having to play a couple of games even, you know, almost like, you know, training camp games. I, I don't know how that part is going to work. But I, I do think, though, that with, with with the idea and the acceptance that you might be playing whatever you can play the rest of the season without fans, um, you know, I, I think that the focus also then turns to, okay, when do you start the next season that allows, gives you the best chance to start that season with fans? And if that opens up a longer window because you want to delay the start of next season, it opens up a longer window to maybe complete the current season. I think that ends up being a positive. I wonder then when we get back to normal, because if you play an 80-game season next year and you start that in December, at some point you got to get back to October starts again. Maybe the 2021-22 season is where you get back to some semblance of normal because the – what 2021 season which would be next year's season would get a late start unless you have a super compressed season you're going to have uh an issue again where you're ending late right well no you're exactly right i mean look these leagues right now and not just the nhl burning but i mean all these leagues are looking at okay 
this this is going to impact not the current season that was either paused or delayed. But if you try to get as much in and you don't just pick a drop-dead date and start over, yes, it is going to start to impact the following season. So I, I think I think the NHL, the NBA, you know, are, are, are fully prepared. And, you know, and I think those are the two in, that, that are most, and maybe MLS a little bit, you know, are, are going to be most impacted by – because of the way the season carries, you know, you know, through December and into the following year. So I, I, I do think though that you are probably looking at getting back to kind of the quote unquote normal the way it used to be for that 2021-2022 season, uh, and you just have to accept that is the way it is. Now the challenge that the National Hockey League is going to have is that after not the current season, but after next season. The let me make sure I got my math here right for you. The 2020-2021 season, that's when their CBA was up. So amidst of all them just trying to figure out how they're going to negotiate and get the current season restarted, and then what they're going to do with the salary cap and and escrow and all the other stuff for the following season, it's it's the one after that that's going to be a big one too because that's when a new CBA would be kicking in. But they've we, got to get all that ironed out, and it's a lot. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack there and a lot to unravel. Hey, Curbs, before we let you go, earlier in the show, Michelle used the word normality. And I read on Twitter this weekend that somebody's bothered by the fact that people are using the word normalcy because there is no word normalcy. I was so proud of you that you use normality because normalcy really? apparently is not a real word. Normalcy is not a word? No. So our return to normalcy, you said normality and you are 100% correct. I didn't even know I said that because as I'm saying this, I would think normalcy is the word, but uh, I guess, Kerker and Smallman, you're home for linguistics, right? Yeah. Learn something new every day, Listen, don't we, Kerbs? It's, it, it's sort of like the first time somebody smoked a carrot cake. All right, like somebody has to do something for the first time. So normalcy, in my uh, opinion, is probably going to become a word. <laughs> yes, uh, it is. Hey, listen, I got to throw this out at you real quick. You you guys earlier in the show, were, uh, you mentioned that Neil Allen trade, right, where the future considerations came up uh, to be nothing. Yeah. Don't forget, uh, uh, you know, remember Kelly Chase when he was traded back from uh, from Toronto to St. Louis, that ended up being for some wine. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. He, okay, so he, he – he wanted to get back to St. Louis. Larry Poole made the trade, and, and if you look it up, the trade says future considerations, and they made the trade. Now, I got to I got to get a hold of Larry and double check this this part out. Like, I don't know if it was a case of wine or if it turned out to be a box of wine, which I don't know if that turned out to be boxed wine, but I don't know if that was ever paid up. So we'll have to find out if uh, if Larry Poole was ever paid up for the trade. But yeah, he was. Uh, it was uh, traded back to St. Louis, basically, for uh, for some wine. That's beautiful. Curbs, we always learn something from you. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Good luck. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks. Thanks. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. By the way, we still have our full complement of Blues broadcasting and uh, shows. We have uh, this week in hockey on Tuesday nights, on Wednesday night. Curbs has behind the bench. And then Thursday and Friday, we, of course, have classic blues playoff games for you play gloria brought to you by mitsubishi electric cooling and heating and you'll have those games thursday and friday night from last year's playoffs here on 101 espn coming up the fight it's no longer the four o'clock fight it's just the fight and we have somebody ready to challenge me i'm not as efficient in the morning (laughs) i'm telling you now but we've got the fight on 101 espn 
Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.30. And 8.30 is going to mean something a little differently here in the morning. We are stealing the 4 o'clock fight or what was the 4 o'clock fight from the fast lane. It's one of the most popular segments on our airwaves. Randy Carriker, as you know, is Megamind. And we thought, hey, if it's Carriker and Smallman, the fight is coming with us. So without further ado, here is our first edition of the fight on Carriker and Smallman. Our first fighter is going to be Steve, and he's going to be playing for a Bandana's gift card, Michelle. Bandana's barbecue is awesome. I'm pumped for Steve to be playing for this gift card. Me too, and let's hope that he wins, because I certainly would not want to send our first fan, our first listener, our first challenger home empty-handed. So let's bring Steve into the show. Steve, what's up? How are you doing today? Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. And how are you feeling being the first challenger for Randy in the new morning edition of the fight? Well, I'm really hoping it comes true that he is inefficient in the mornings. You know, Steve, I can confirm you have an advantage here. He's a little sharper in the afternoon, maybe a little groggy right now. We were just talking, you know, amongst ourselves. And I think you have a shot here. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's hit it. All right. Question number one, Steve. The greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams, won the NFC in both 1999 and 2001. Which team eliminated them in the 2000 NFL playoffs? Was it the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, or the New Orleans Saints? Holy cow. The Giants. All right, Steve, question number two. This past weekend was supposed to be the running of the 146th Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs. But as we all know, events around the sports calendar have been moved. The Derby is now set for September. Your question, Steve. In 2015, which horse became the first thoroughbred to win the Triple Crown since affirmed in 1978? Was it A, Smarty Jones, B, American Pharaoh, or C, Sir Barton? American Pharaoh. All right, Steve. Question number three. In honor of the return of the border war between Mizzou and Kansas in football, which of these Mizzou head football coaches has the most all-time wins in Tigers history? Is it Barry Odom, Gary Pinkle, or Larry Smith? Gary Pinkle. All right. And question number four, Steve, with MLB Network celebrating Albert Pujols all day long, we have to get a question in here about one of the all-time great Cardinals. Even though Pujols had a bunch of NL MVPs snagged away from him early in his career by Barry Bonds, he still came away with quite a few of his own as his time with the Cardinals went on. How many MVP awards did Albert Pujols win in St. Louis? Is it two, three, or five? Two. All right, Steve. Let's bring in Randy Carricker here. He's in the hallway. I don't know where he is, and honestly, there's no one here, so I can't imagine where Randy went. But how are you feeling, Steve? You know, after you've gotten all the questions, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel okay. I'm just hoping Randy didn't have any Dr. Pepper this morning. Randy, did you have any Dr. Pepper this morning? Steve wants to know. I did buy a uh, diet Dr. Pepper. Oh. How about okay. that? I got one right here at our uh, at the office. Uh oh, Steve. <laughs> he has a little performance enhancing beverage uh, yeah. here. But I am. Yeah. I've moved to my Propel now. Okay, good. Well, maybe, maybe that'll give you a little bit of, a, of an edge, Steve. All right, Randy, you ready to go? Ready. All right, question number one. The greatest show on turf, St. Louis Rams won the NFC in both 1999 and 2001. Which team eliminated them in the 2000 NFL playoffs? <sighs> Why does it have to come up? This was the, <laughs> uh, the Oz Hakeem fumble game in New Orleans. I was there. And uh, it was uh, the, the Rams, if Oz doesn't fumble that ball in the fourth quarter... Kurt and Isaac were so hot. You, you, we were talking about competitive guys. Isaac Bruce 
as competitive as anybody. And he almost willed the Rams back in the fourth quarter. But Oz dropped a punt. Brian Milne had the recovery deep in New Orleans territory, or deep in Rams territory. And uh, New Orleans was the team that beat the Rams in the 2000 playoffs. All right, question number two, Randy. This past weekend, it was supposed to be the running of the 146th Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs. But as we all know, events have been canceled or moved. The Derby is now set for September. But in 2015, which horse became the first thoroughbred to win the Triple Crown since affirmed in 1978? This question has been asked of me before, and that's why I remember it. (laughs) Uh, It's American Pharaoh. You know... I really feel badly for Freeze Pops. As someone that was one short producer and had to come up with questions for yeah. the fight, this is a daunting task because they have to be difficult enough that you may not know them, but I don't want to say easy enough, but, you know, we have great sports fans that are listeners, but, you know, they're they're maybe driving, they're not paying attention all the way. They need to be able to think about it right off the top of their heads. It's, it's a tough line to straddle, Randy. Question number three. In honor of the return of the border war between Mizzou and Kansas in football, which of these Mizzou head football coaches has the most, well, I'll just ask you, which Mizzou head football coach has the most all-time wins in Tigers history? I think Gary Pinkle wound up number one, so I will go with Gary Pinkle. All right, final question, Randy. With MLB Network celebrating Albert Pujols all day long, we have to get a question in here about Albert. Oh, yeah. Even though he had a bunch of NL MVPs snagged away from him early in his career by Barry Bonds, he still came away with quite a few of his own as his time with the Cardinals went on. How many MVP awards did Albert win in St. Louis? They would always put that huge graphic up there in right field, three-time National League MVP. So it was three for Albert. We have a winner. I'm sorry, Steve. Randy is still in Megamind form. He beat you 4-2 to two with a clean sweep here. As Randy mentioned, it was the New Orleans Saints who beat the Rams in the 2000 NFL playoffs. Does it still cause you pain to remember that, even though we that hate the Rams? so bad. That crowd was into it, and I believe it was 28 to th- or made 31 to 3 at the end of the third quarter. Rams get it to 31 28. Kurt was red hot. And by the way, Kurt had a bad day through three interceptions. But yes, it bothers me because, and I'm sure it bothers everyone on that team because they were so hot that if Oz, all he has to do is fair catch it. If he catches that punt, they're going to go down and score and win the game. And then they would have cleaned up the Vikings and or Giants. They would have gone to the Super Bowl. And then Mike said, that uh, against that Ravens defense, which would have been epic. That that might have been the best of the Rams' offenses of those three years, that offense against the Ravens' defense. Oof. But he said he would have gone no huddle and made their really fat defensive tackles run, and it would have killed them. And, and it really <laughs> would have been an interesting Super Bowl. I think the Rams would have won it. Ugh, what could have been? Second question, it was American Pharaoh, who was the first thoroughbred to win the Triple Crown since affirmed in 1978. Gary Pinkle has the most all-time wins in Mizzou Tiger history as the head of football coach. And Albert Pujol three MVP awards here in St. Louis. Steve, I'm sorry you didn't walk away with the victory, but thank you so much for playing. I appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Thank you, Steve. Steve with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle said she's very proud of me for not saying fast lane yet. How many times have you almost said it? Like three or four. <laughs> you know what, Randy? I couldn't tell. And that's why I had to ask you the question in the commercial break, because you, anytime you would throw it a break, I, in my mind, expected to hear you say coming up next on the fast lane. So the fact that you said character and Smallman every time shows what a pro you are. It'll happen. It'll it'll happen. No, we had freeze pops. They take it or leave it. So, hey. Yeah. Hey, we're, coming up, we're going to talk about Albert Pujols Day on MLB Network. It's incredible. The entire day of MLB Network is dedicated to great Albert Pujols games. 
We're going to talk about our favorite Albert Pujols moments, and we want to hear from you via the text line, the Air Comfort Services text line, 65780, or you can send us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on your 101 ESPN app. Your favorite Albert Pujols memories with the Cardinals next with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. You get a chance to watch MLB Network today. It's Albert Pujols Day on MLB Network. Right now they're showing the game from July 20th of 04. Michelle, this is one of my favorites. He goes five for five with a double three homers and five RBIs at Chicago at Wrigley Field. At 11 <laughs> o'clock, they've got the Angels at Seattle where he gets his 3,000th hit. At 1.30, the Angels here last year where he hits a home run in his return to Bush. And at 5 o'clock tonight, they're going to have a special edition of MLB Tonight, where Dan Plesak, Matt Vaskersian, and Carlos Pena are going to talk about Albert's legendary career. At 6 o'clock, the Cardinals at Houston. That game right there that you heard the uh, home run from in Game 5 of the NLCS. Cardinals at Rangers, the uh, three-home run game in the World Series tonight at 8. And then tonight at 11, the Twins at the Angels, his 600th career home run. We all have so many great Albert memories. What? And, and you mentioned the... Uh, the NLCS earlier, what stands out to you? What are your two or three top Albert memories? So I'll always remember that 2005 NLCS, that home run off Brad Lidge, just because it was such a jaw-dropping moment. Um, and it, it to me, that just kind of encompassed Albert, that when he would come up to the plate, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter the pressure, how things might be stacked against the Cardinals, stacked against him, you always felt like he could deliver that fatal blow. And that, to me, in that moment, just watching Brad Lidge in his, in his head and his mm-hmm. face and just watching Houston Astros fans be absolutely crushed, to me, that was what Albert was capable of doing. And, you know, we always obviously remember Game 6, 2011, David Freeze and his heroics. But Albert Pujols' three-home run game earlier in that series needs to be talked about more because we, we talked earlier in the show at the last dance about Michael Jordan, about how he could find that switch and single-handedly propel his team to victory. And I know basketball is a different sport, but Albert had the ability to take over a game and get it done. And that's why I bring up the three home run games in Chicago. He killed the Cubs, didn't he? Those games in Chicago, and we talked earlier about the back-to-back games where he hit the walk-off home runs. He was just devastating to the Cubs over the years, and Cubs fans hated that. Yeah, those were the days. (laughs) That that was fun. We want to hear from you with your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app. Let's hear from Lisa on 101 ESPN. Morning, guys. So, Randy, you hit the nail on the head with that June of 2011. I was at that Sunday game, and I wish I could remember that pitcher the Cubs had. I'm sure you do. He was amazing. But what I want to say about Albert is the whole time he was here, didn't you always feel like we had a chance when he came up? And that is an amazing thing as an athlete for me as a fan to always appreciate. He's never going to fail me. Thanks. To have one guy in a lineup of nine guys and – a person that might get to the plate five times, at least three, but four or five times, and to expect him that he's going to that he's going to be a game breaker for you, that's remarkable skill. And I felt that way. You felt that way. I think every Cardinal fan felt that way. That okay, if we're down by a run in the eighth inning, but there's a chance that Albert could get to the plate. We got a chance to a real good chance to win this game. And not only did you as a Cardinals fan feel that way, the opposing team felt that way. They wanted to avoid him at all costs. Um, 
gosh, you know, heading into the, this 2020 season, there was a lot of discontent about the state of the Cardinals, despite them going to the NLCS last season. And not to do armchair psychology, but I think a lot of it stems from the fact that fans are still craving that sort of feeling that Albert and those Tony La Russa teams gave them, that even if the team is having success on the field, you still don't feel that powerful energy that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who we're facing or what game it is or, or like I mentioned, how the odds are stacked against us, that these are our guys and they're going to go out there and fight 24-7 and deliver. He Having a once-in-a-generation talent does spoil you. And I'm sure it did for people that had a chance to see Stan Musial during his prime. And we are going to see, that's the problem, is that I think people expected Matt Holiday to be Albert mm-hmm. Pujols. And he was awesome. Matt Holiday, a great player, a middle-of-the-lineup hitter for teams that did a lot of winning, but he wasn't Albert. And I believe the same thing will be the case with Paul Goldschmidt. Really, really, really good hitter, really good player. But who's Albert? Right. And I, and that's why I think with the Dylan Carlson scenario that everyone, while there's massive expectations, also we kind of need to temper those expectations because I it's very rare for a player to not only be the, the player in totality that Albert Pujols was, but to come out of the gate the way that he did. Right. And, you know, for some players, there is an adjustment period and it may take a while for them to blossom. And even though the early returns on Dylan Carlson from spring training and from people in the know within the Cardinals organi- organization say this guy's the real deal, he is being mentioned in the same breath as an Albert Pujols. That doesn't mean that we're going to see it right away. And. Both wore 68 in spring training. Wow. By the way. Little trivia for I you like there. I like that. From the 314, favorite Albert moment when considered with Mike Shannon's call, the brush back by Kerry Wood and Albert's home run response. Yeah. Next pitch. Boom. That, that was great. Uh, another one. My favorite Albert moment is when he uh, dramatically boomed the home run against Brad Lidge. Uh, and then... My favorite Albert, this one from the 314 also, my favorite Albert Pujols moments since he left St. Louis, his frequent guest appearances in the fast lane from the Angaheim dugout phone. I know. Are you going to be sad that you can't talk yeah, to Albert? Yeah, that I can't on, interview Albert all the time. The reg. Yeah. Let's hear from Joshua with a mic drop. Morning, Randy, Michelle. Nice to hear your voice in the morning again. You know, my, uh, my favorite memory of Pujols didn't even take place in a ballpark. It was actually a 60-minute special that aired about a decade ago that showcased the work that he does with Down syndrome. You know, here's a guy that has all these accolades, all these achievements, larger than life, and yet he didn't even seek recognition for any of this work. I think uh, that was pretty humbling and something that I'll always remember. And I am fortunate and honored to be a part of his celebrity basketball game every year. They let me do the play-by-play, and... The way that he interacts with the kids that have Down syndrome, and obviously uh, he and Didi's daughter, Bella, uh, is afflicted with Down syndrome, but the way he interacts with all of those kids is priceless. And what a great response from Joshua there, because we can go on and on about Albert Pujols, the player, but Albert Pujols, the person, is just as special, and he really is a true servant. And I think that the fact that he does ingrain himself in so many important causes and it's not just oh i'm going to attach my name to this and write a check as you mentioned it's i'm going to be hands-on with this organization and i truly want to make an impact is special and i think that's part of the reason that st louis was so heartbroken when he chose to leave because Mm -hmm. he wasn't just a guy on our team that happened to be great he was truly a part of our community and it was a very special relationship that we had you know st louis and albert Pujols. and one thing that he consistently the the real albert not the one that we interview frequently in fastlane <laughs> but the the real albert says hey 
Anaheim is where I work, and St. Louis is home. And so he really does. He he cares a lot about this community, and uh, he, he's missed. It's cool that they're doing what they're doing, by the way, on MLB Network, because they could easily be, do, be doing Mike Trout. They could be doing a contemporary great player. They yeah. could be doing Derek Jeter, who's going into the Hall of Fame. They could easily be showing a half dozen Derek Jeter games today. But to be showing Albert and three Cardinal games and three Angels games, and by the way, actually four Cardinals games, because one of them is the home run here, which is all about the Cardinals, it's cool that they're honoring him today. It's very special. And, you know, when we have these barstool conversations as years go by and people will be comparing Albert Pujols to Mike Trout or their careers, Albert not only delivered on a consistent day-to-day basis, he delivered in postseason and World Series moments when it mattered most, when the pressure was highest. He delivered not once, not twice, many times for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I wonder how much that must eat at someone like Mike Trout, who is consistently named the, the best player in the game, who knows what he's capable of, to not be put in that position to be able to showcase that he could do that too. In Albert's career in the postseason, 77 games, a 323 batting average, a 431 on base, a 599 slug for a 1.030 OPS. In those 77 games, 19 homers, 54 runs batted in, 18 doubles and a triple. Wow. Yeah. So he, he averaged, let's see, if you have the 19, 20, uh, 38, basically more than an extra base hit every other game. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> He was sensational. And we had Tim Kirkjian on in the fast lane last week, and I was asking him about comparing Pujols and Trout in their first 10 years because Mike, I think Mike Trout's going to have to do a lot of hitting to match Albert's first 10 years. And he said right now he would take Albert, but he thinks when Trout gets to the 10th year that he'll take Trout. I think that I'm going to look at those first 10 years for both of them, maybe because Albert's mine. And they, Trout's playing center field, so that made a difference for him. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to take Albert's first 10 years. It's hard for me as someone who had a front row seat to watching Albert's first 10 years unfold. Um, and and that's such a, a shame for baseball fans that we haven't been exposed to that much of Mike Trout. I mean, for mm-hmm. me as someone who lives in St. Louis, I'm not staying up oftentimes to watch those West Coast games. And I've seen the highlights and I've, I've seen him play here or there, but I haven't been able to be truly exposed and be saturated in his greatness. So yes, it's easy for me to sit here and say I would take Albert over Mike Trout, but really until Mike Trout gets in those World Series moments and he proves that he can have a three home run game in the World Series and do it the way that Albert did it and propel his team to victory, then and yeah, I'm going to take the guy who's been in those moments and done it on a consistent day-to-day basis. Michelle, Randy, Carriker, and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And thanks for your mic drops. We always, regardless of what we're talking about, we invite your mic drops with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. And we'll use those throughout the course of our mornings here on 101 ESPN. And we always appreciate your air comfort service text line, texts 2 to 65780. Next up... Today's big thing on 101 ESPN.